your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Wednesday of Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Tim Grinke, the Lacrosse County District Attorney, joining me from his office. We're doing this over the phone, COVID protocols. I just said, Tim, do if you can do it from your office, that that'd be probably better. Um because you got to wear a mask all the time, right? When you're we're do, when you're doing county business, yeah, pretty much. And that means you're always doing county business because your job's twenty four seven, right? Twenty four seven mask. Yeah, wearing a mask to bed. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I, I I got a lot of things on the my my agenda here, and I will see what we can get to them. But the first the first thing I want to just tell the public, and maybe like pick your brain. Not that you're really affiliated with this, but Hatch Baby is dead. Hatch Baby is is no longer able to be repaired, according to Wolfgang Auer, the artist from our sister city in Freiburg, Germany. I uh, I sent the mayor an email, I think, two weeks ago. Auer's email because I went and I emailed the 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 artist, and he sent me back something that I th- I'm pretty sure was Google translated because it was it wasn't oh. right, r- great English. But Hatch Baby no longer able to be repaired. I think maybe we could find some artist in town that could try to repair it. Why not? If he says it's not, I don't know if he's, he didn't really, it doesn't really say here if they're, they're going to scrap it. But uh, Mayor says, I've apologized on behalf of our community for the destruction caused by, to Mr. Auer's sculpture and urge him not to, fe- to uh, urge him not to feel that the actions by a few represent our community. So Tim Grinke, district attorney here in La Crosse County, the, the baby is, is valued at about $23,000. The artist says it can't be repaired. If this was something that was coming through the courtroom and we found the culprit that destroyed Hatch Baby, and let's just say it was one person, would that, how, how would, would that person be on the hook for, like, we can't repair it. The artist says we can't repair it. So would they be on the hook for $23,000? Well, so the... Possibly. The the judge would set the amount of restitution, and the amount is usually either the replacement value or the retail value, um, and how it's determined could be challenged. So if they say it was worth that much money, that's what the, the city or the artist might ask for. Um, the judges don't have to order the whole amount, though. They have to take into account the earning potential of the defendant. So they could order the whole amount, or they could order an amount that they think is reasonable for the defendant to pay, given their circumstances. So the short answer is yes, they could be. Um, the longer answer is it, it it depends on a few factors. Well, let's stereotype here and just say it was some drunk college kid that, you know, doesn't, maybe he's, he's a full-time college student, maybe he's working part-time on the weekends, so bringing in, what, ten grand a year? Yeah. Uh, so the judge would look at that, and would would they look at any other factors? Like, oh, your family is actually pretty, you know, would they they just look at what your, your income it would be then? Um, well, the, your income, uh, your earning potential, uh, the amount of time that they put them on, like they put them on probation for a couple of years, um, they'd say, how much could you pay over a period of time? And then they would fix them out that they would think would be a reasonable goal for them to reach in the amount of time that they give them. So it would be um, up to the judge. Yeah, because as a college student, I'd be like, I can't pay anything. I'm paying for college. And, uh, you know, all my money goes to college. None of it for beer. Not anymore. Not after the Hatch Baby incident. Yeah. <laughs> I think the judges assume that they'll be able to put some money towards it. Might not be a lot, but some money, so they feel some accountability um, that'll cut into their budget at least a little bit. Okay, yeah. And then on the flip side, there's and this isn't your this isn't part of your deal, but there there might be some insurance here that that the city might be able to pay for it. I just think we could find an artist that that could 
you know what? Hey, if he says it's not repairable, but maybe gives us the go-ahead, let's try to repair Hatch Baby. Are you a fan of Hatch Baby, Tim? Uh, honestly, I'm not a fan of the... Or I'm, I'm grateful that we had the art from the Sister City, but I, I never was a big fan of of the look. Yeah. But. The Hatch Baby is meant to represent, so he created this right after, right around the time that his daughter was born. So he created it to, uh, as inspiration of parental anxieties that, that people might have with, uh, with a newborn baby. So it definitely gave anxiety. I'll <laughs> yeah, give him that. Definitely you go. And this isn't the only thing that, uh, Wolfgang Auer has created. That's a, a weird looking giant, uh, blue baby. He's done this before. So. But this one was meant to represent his daughter, so I feel like ah, that's feel, we, we should feel maybe a little bit bad about this because it was it was a representation as, of his daughter's birth. Well, yeah, as a community, I think we should feel bad that um, there was something given to us from another city that that we we collectively wrecked. I mean, that's not a good look for us. Yeah. Even if we're not a fan of it, we shouldn't be wrecking stuff that doesn't belong to us. Right? Uh, maybe it was uh, outside antagonizers that did it. I didn't. I didn't think of that, but you're right. It could have been. <laughs> could have been, could Antifa, been from outside. Antifa from Portland. I think that's who did it. They're trying to get us in trouble. Um, all right. So that's Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Greinke, uh doing some nonsense here to start the show. But we do have some some pretty good things to talk about. Felony numbers in Lacrosse. We're gonna we're gonna get kind of update uh, that. Brad's Brad's been chewing on this story for a little bit. I think. I think he uh, he's excited to hear what you have. I don't know if excited is the right word, but he's antsy to hear what you have to say about the felonies that have happened in lacrosse. Um, I wanted to talk about body cams a little bit and just like how how maybe that's helped and hurt your job. The idea that we have all this technology and uh, some of the murder cases uh, in in our in our area that have and have not gone through the court system yet. So um, oh, and lastly, the uh, the Citizens Police Board and and where we're at with that. So. Um, before we do that, though, we got to get to Brad doing the news. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608 785 7914 is the talking text line. If you got text, text me questions for Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grinke. Um, otherwise, I got plenty on my plate here to talk to him about. I did get one good text here, though, Tim. Um, and you, maybe you can explain this a little bit. Just, uh, let me find it. I got a too many tabs open. Um, and I did just email you that thing, but you'll be like, oh yeah, that, um, he goes, uh, I find it to be very unfair. Restitution should be what it costs, not how much money you could potentially make or, or made, uh, shouldn't, shouldn't matter. Somebody's income level is last day pay is a uh, last day pay less of a restitution. That's just asinine. You do the crime you pay. Um, so this person just, you, you, you broke the baby, you're on the hook for $23,000. Yeah. The, um, uh, the, the amount of money that it's worth is, it has to be justified. It's either out-of-pocket expenses, medical expenses, uh, loss of employment, or if it's an object, either replacement or whatever the retail value is. So that's got to be established by the victim. And then, you know, again, the law does say that the person is responsible for the restitution, but it's got to be an amount that the defendant can reasonably pay. So that that's the law. That's what we have to consider. And judges usually try to make the victims as whole as they can, but they also don't want to give them false hope and say, you know, the defendant's got to pay 23000 but you'll never get it. So I think they try to say, we're going to give you um, something we think is reasonable that will impact the defendant and make the victim as whole as possible. Is there a better way to, to maybe portray this? Uh, somebody without car insurance smashes your $65,000 
brand new SUV. Totally that person's fault. They don't have car insurance. And now they have to pay. And you maybe, I don't know, the, like your car insurance would cover it. So right. it's kind of a weird situation where, I don't know, like because it's the law, you have to have car insurance. So I feel like you'd both be up uh, the creek yeah. without a paddle, so to speak, if you didn't have car insurance. But um, right. I guess that doesn't work either. I don't know how it would how it would work. Well, even if you have insurance, the insurance company then can go after the defendant to pay the money back. So, and any deductible that you're out, they would also be ordered to pay. Um, but again, just you know, some people you just can't get blood out of a turnip is a phrase. I think um, you can't just get money out of people that just don't have money and are never going to earn that much money. But they'll try to give what they can, um, the best they can. We try to make it as uh, fortunate as we can. And then for medical records in crimes of violence, the state does have a program that victims get paid and made whole, and then they would then go after the defendant for the money. So there's a little bit of an advantage to crimes of violence where victims have like medical bills and loss of employment. Yeah, it's just a weird avenue because people, I'm not going to be able to pay. And then when you take all my money, that's really not going to help me be able to pay or because now I'm not going to be able to live because, you know, so, yeah. um, but also do, do people go to jail if they can't pay? Is there, is there kind of like, if you can't pay, then you have to spend so many days in jail and each day is a certain amount of money. Cause that's a weird way to do things too. Yeah, no, not usually because again, we don't want to just put people in jail because they can't pay. Um, yeah. What happens though is the judges will then grant the judgment in your favor against the defendant, so you automatically kind of win the lawsuit that you don't have to file. Um, that's how they treat it if they don't pay it by the end of their sentence. Okay, rest is converted to a civil judgment. All right, we're getting into the weeds here and some <laughs> just how yeah. are we going to pay for Hatch Baby? We got to make that person, quote unquote, and literally and figuratively pay. Um, all right, so I want to do the felony numbers real quick. Brad's been been compiling this. Brad Williams in the Wisdom Newsroom. Um, in 2021, we hit 700 felonies last week on the 13th. Last year, we hit 700 felonies today. So this is these are like pandemic numbers. Prior to the pandemic number, prior to the pandemic, 2019, we hit 700 felonies in La Crosse County on August 14th. And then in 2018, we hit 700 felonies a month prior to that on July 24th. So uh, crime in terms of felonies seems to be going down. It, would you just say, ah, eh, that's pandemic? Or are we just, are, are police doing a worse job or maybe people are nicer? <laughs> well, it's always complicated to try to figure out what the reason is. And it could be all the things you mentioned plus others. Um, I would say generally our crime rate's been going down in La Crosse, as it has been nationally. Um, I think with COVID, it was kind of a weird year and everything was different, so we kind of, I think, have to ignore what was happening last year. Um, this year, it, it again uh, feels like things are getting a little bit back to normal, um, but we're still going in the right direction when you talk about serious types of crimes um, as years are going forward. It could be the... Um, uh, we're doing a better job of uh, locking up dangerous people. It could be that the crime rate is actually going down. Uh, it could be the police and our system doing a better job of keeping people from committing more crimes. Um, it's really hard to know exactly the reasons, but in general, I think it's safe to say our crime rate is going down. And when we when I say felonies, I I don't know maybe some. TV like court junkies or police show junkies might know what a felony is, but can you just kind of give us an overview of maybe uh, like explain easily what a felony is uh, and then uh, what kind of felonies are we seeing mostly here in La Crosse County over the past year? 
Yep, the easiest way to explain it is a felony is a crime that's punishable by more than one year in prison. So your misdemeanors are punishable by usually nine months or less of jail, and your felonies are punishable by one year or more in prison. Um, not always the seriousness of it, because like misdemeanor battery is punishable by nine months, but that still could be a serious battery, and something like forgery could be a felony. So it's not always seriousness, but generally that's a cutoff. Uh, and felonies are usually considered by society your more serious crimes. The type of felonies we see the most of in our system, probably the drug offenses, um, because any possession of heroin or meth would be a felony, just possessing it. And then going along with all the deliveries on top of that, um, that would be drives a lot of our felony numbers. Um, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of felony sexual assaults this year. Um, that number seems to be a little bit higher with serious sexual assaults. Don't know that I can point to a reason, but those are the two numbers that are kind of sticking out to me so far this year. Um, overall, our robberies have, have been going way down. Um, other types of felonies might be theft of a amount over $2,500. And OWI, uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth, and higher, that, those would be felonies as well. Um, but those are the felonies that we're seeing so far this year. Oh, uh, so OWI is after number four? That's a felony? Is that what you're saying? Yep. Or your fourth? Or fourth. In the last five okay. years. Okay, fourth in the last five years. Um, and then stuff like, you know, when you say robberies are way down and, and theft over $2,500, this I'm just throwing this at you. You might not even know stuff like is it called petty theft? Like theft that's way under that, like a couple hundred bucks or or less. Is that happening more often? Do you have any idea? Um, I don't have the numbers on that. Um, so yeah, misdemeanor theft and felony theft both are you know, relatively common. We just think about people stealing something from a bar or a store. Or, a friend or whatever. That's a pretty common crime. Yeah, that's what I was um, thinking because uh, over a pandemic, you know, the situation a lot of people are in, they might be a little bit de- more desperate and therefore, you know, heading to the store and putting something in their pocket that they, they might need but can't pay for. The, I think the bigger reason that why thefts happen isn't so much people's need, it's the opportunity. Uh, we would, Last year when we had COVID, there were less students in town. There's less bikes to grab. There's less cars that are parked with the car doors open. There's lots of people downtown that have purses and wallets and phones. That's the kind of stuff that's getting stolen. And if you can think about it that way, you got more people out there. There's more opportunities for people to take stuff. It's not always the need of the defendant that drives it. It's the number of people that are out and about that have things that are easily taken. Okay. Bikes is a big one uh, on campus. Uh, going through cars is a big one. People leaving their cars unlocked and people just kind of going through and rummaging. Yeah. People leaving garage doors open. Um, those are where thefts happen the most. Quick trip leaving their hamburgers right by the door. I mean, I just grab one of those and run out. One, but, uh, one of those, yeah, quick trip is a fair amount of shoplifting or retail theft. And, but uh, that's something I want to get into, too, is because sometimes we see this happen. Uh, somebody steals something from a place like Quick Trip, and then, you know, Quick Trip's got cameras, but uh, sometimes those cameras aren't always the greatest. So I want to talk to you a little bit in a, after the break here uh, about. Uh, the job of policing, the job that you have to do with, with cameras and, and maybe even the, the quality of video sometimes uh, we, we get. But before before I get to that, I, I just want to get a little bit of updates. And again, we're speaking with Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grinke. Been on the job I, the, from my last time we talked, 14 years. You didn't hit an eclipse. You didn't eclipse 15 years yet, did you, Tim? Correct. Yeah, this year, <laughs> yep, it's going to be it's 14 this year. Okay, and so you're in your 14th year uh, here in Lacrosse. And, and like, how long have you been just 
kind of in in the in the business, so to speak. 20, 25 years. Twenty five years. Okay. Um, there's a lot of murder cases. Well, I don't know if it's a lot, but the, there's there's quite a few murder cases that haven't we haven't resolved yet in Lacrosse County. Obviously, we have the triple murder that happened. You know, not too long ago, I think it took a week for police to find two suspects there uh, at that the entrance of that quarry just north of West Salem. Um, there's there's also the Anquan St. Junius. He's allegedly alleged to have stabbed someone in a taxi. That might have been I feel like that might have been three years ago, Tim. And we haven't resolved that case. And then you you told me in the break, Shavante Thompson, who uh, allegedly shot somebody on the north side of Lacrosse. Or was it lacrosse or? A... Yeah. Okay. It wasn't. Okay. A... okay. Um, and then, and then we have that incident in the Menards parking lot here in lacrosse where Matthew Kinsler got into what might might have been a fight or something with an older gentleman about a parking situation in Menards parking lot, and the older gentleman, uh, he he fell or he was pushed to the ground something, and then he I think he later died in the hospital. But there's another. Case I don't uh, do we, we do we call something like that murder or what do we call something like that that case? Um, well, those are all homicide cases homicide, we have. Okay, um, and and COVID did put a dent in our our jury trials, uh, our ability to have jury trials, so they've been delayed. Um, so Shavante Thompson's trial is set for November of this year. Um, the one you mentioned, Anquan St. Junius, um, that happened in January of 2019. So. I guess going on three years, and that's set for trial now in March of next year. Um, the one you mentioned, the Menards parking lot, uh, is set for uh, January of this coming year, so a few months away. Um, so they're getting set for trial now, and uh, basically I'm blaming COVID for most of the delay. It just took a long time for us to be able to have jury trials. We started doing jury trials again, um, and to find a week or two weeks for these trials, uh, the judges had to find time for them. So that's where those are at. And then uh, the triple homicide yep. that just happened, they both have had attorneys assigned, and we're just kind of starting with that one. Okay, so we don't even have a, it's going to go to trial at some, we don't even Not, have a date yet. Right, right. Um, and do you think that'll that'll happen in 2022? Uh, boy, too hard to say. A lot of factors. Uh, the defense has to look through all the reports that we have. Um, there's still some investigation going on. They'll have to consult with their clients and with us and with the judge to find out if they want a trial, when, and, and how long it would take. So too early to say. And the two suspects pleaded not guilty, right? Uh, it's yeah, standard at the preliminary hearing. Uh, they Most people plead not guilty because they haven't seen any reports yet. So okay. they need to at least enter a plea so they can then get access to all the police reports, uh, look at everything, find out if uh, um, they want to go to trial or not and go from there. Yeah, because they could, oh, the police don't have anything on us. We're good. <laughs> not guilty. Um, all right. So does that make, you say all these things are going to happen. Kinsler, St. Junius, and uh, where'd the other one? Shavante Thompson are all going to happen. Trials in 2022? Uh, well, Shavante Thompson's this year yet, this oh, okay. November. The others are in 2022. How how tough does that make your job? These are serious <laughs> offenses, and uh, I mean that's a that's just make you get overtime for some of this. Then you get a pay no, raise. No, we none of us get overtime, um, and uh, I'm not doing all of them by myself. So we've we've got it covered. I think we when the case gets scheduled, when it's that serious of a case, the judges give both sides I think enough time to prepare 
and uh, and looking at our other trials and other things that are going on, I, I think we'll we'll manage just fine. Okay, because the Kinsler one you said January, and then the St. Junius one you said March, so that's you know a couple months apart. But I don't, I have no yeah. idea. Maybe that's enough time for you. Uh, yeah, and, and I mean we have time before that to get ready to, and they've been pending for a while too. So I suppose we've had time to work on these while we've been waiting for the trials to start up again. That does make sense. Uh, the COVID has pushed them all back, so you could be so studying, I suppose. Um, all right, that's Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grinky. We got to hit Scott's comment. Brad doing the news. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608 785 7914. If you want to text, Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grinke is in here. He's been doing that job for 14, this is his 14th year. Uh, Tim, I did get a text. So we were talking about a lot of these um, murder suspects in Lacrosse County, and there's other people doing that have done other things that are probably in jail as well. They haven't gone to trial, they sit in jail probably because their, their bond or their bail is set to an amount that. That's kind of the point, right? Like you set the bond or bail amount to to make it more. To, to, I guess can you explain that a little bit? I guess you're going to do a better job than me. Yeah. So okay, the the bond is set by the judges, and sometimes the bond is set an amount that the defendant can't post, and that happens sometimes in very serious cases where there's a fear that if they were released, they would either run and not be present for trial, or they would maybe hurt someone else. Uh, they're a danger, so the judges sometimes set a higher bond. So they set it and, so much that, like, it's a billion dollars, because if you paid a billion dollars, you'd be out a billion dollars, therefore you would probably come back for your trial. Right. They they set an amount that they think if you're going to post that much, you're going to have a vested interest in coming back for the trial, so you're not going not gonna to take off or violate conditions of your bond. Um, and to those people, because they haven't been convicted yet, they're going to be waiting in our jail until the trial. They can't be sent to prison until they've been sentenced. Uh, prisons are only for sentenced people. Mm-hmm. Um, now, sometimes they're in there for more than one reason. They might be in jail for a bond, but they also might be on a hold from their probation. There may be warrants from like other states involved. So there's sometimes multiple reasons people are in our jail, but the longer ones are usually because of a very serious case or some other type of hold that's keeping them there until the trial. And and when they do go to trial, and if they're if they're convicted, that's time served. Yeah, if you get convicted, any time you spent in custody before your conviction uh, would go towards your sentence, whatever it is. So that's what you get uh, sentence credit. We call it. What about these people that if they go to trial and then they're not guilty and they're hey, I sat in jail for this. Yeah. This happens. I don't know for people that pay attention to this stuff. This happens for a lot of people that just can't afford. To, to make, you know, this is when we we have signature bonds and stuff like that, but uh, some people sit in jail for, for petty crimes. Uh, I don't know if that happens here all that often, but uh, they yeah. just sit in jail, and then they go to trial, and, and they're like, oh, you're not guilty. And, and what happens, is there any restitution there because they served a bunch of time they weren't supposed to? No, there isn't any, any recourse for those people, and that's one of the reasons why nationally there's been a, a bail reform movement because obviously if we're using cash, for this purpose, it's going to discriminate against poor people, where rich people will get out and poor people just won't have a chance to post the money, and they're held in jail longer than they maybe should be. Not so bad, I think, in La Crosse or even Wisconsin, but around the country you hear some, some really horror stories. So people are trying to change our system from this cash system to risk system. Like, if you're really dangerous or if you're really going to run, maybe you should be held or put on a bracelet but if you're not, you shouldn't be held in jail. And 
it's an ongoing issue with our system. Yeah, I, I try to convey this a little bit with uh, something as stupid as a speeding ticket, and not so much like the, if I'm guilty or not guilty of a speeding ticket, but someone that's making a hundred grand a year gets a two hundred dollars speeding ticket. They're like meh. And then somebody that's making $15,000 a year gets a $200 speeding ticket. That's a pretty big deal for them. And, and so the, yep. the way our system is set up, it really is a hindrance on the poor and, and, and you know, is going to affect them on a day-to-day basis as something as, as silly as a speeding ticket. Uh, it's somebody that doesn't worry about money isn't really going to care about that stuff. It'd be interesting if we did it like based on percentage. Oh, making a hundred grand, you got a speeding ticket. Well, that's going to be a $20,000 uh, fine there or something like that. Right. I don't know if that would happen. Yeah, that, that's a that's a problem in our system that it's not always proportionate. Uh, yeah, like you said, one person can easily pay $100 for other people. That might be all the money they've got on them. That's kind of a dis, uh, that's a difference that we should try to re- resolve. Yeah. Um, and our system isn't very good at that and trying to make sure that the punishment is proportionate to the person's ability to pay and their life status. And right. Obviously, it affects people with less money harsher than people with more money. And John texts in, then don't speed. Well, John, a person that's making hundred grand a year doesn't care about getting pulled over for speeding. I mean, there is a point system based on your driver's license, so at some point your driver's yeah. license might get taken away. But rich people aren't going to care about speeding all that much until they get caught enough times that their license might get taken away. That's kind of the point, John. Um, all right, we're getting. I'm going on a tangent here, but I appreciate Tom G for texting in and, and just kind of bringing that up because I think it's an important thing to talk about. Um, let's do this real quick uh, because I, we I missed the meeting last Wednesday. The Citizens Police Board was part of the Criminal Justice Management Council meeting. Uh, it's kind of an ongoing. You guys, just, do you guys talk about anything else except the Citizens Police Board? Uh, well, at the last meeting we had two big topics. One was that, and the other one was a man named Gary Tyler who was uh, wrongfully incarcerated in Louisiana for 40 years. Uh, In 1972, I think it was, he was convicted of a homicide when he was, I think, 17. And at that time was the youngest person ever sentenced to death row. Um, Eventually, his case was overturned, and he's now spending his time trying to um, give people insights into the system and also how to move on from these traumatic events and how to build trust in communities. So we had him talk for a good chunk of the meeting and share some of his thoughts. And then we had the update on the, uh, the police board. Yeah. And can you just kind of update us on where it seems like I, 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 and I don't know, but it seems like people want a decision one way or the other on, are we going to have a citizen's police board? But in Madison, I believe this took years. So maybe, maybe we're jumping the gun here. Maybe I shouldn't use a gun analogy, but maybe we're, yeah. We're, we're, should we have a little bit more patience on, on how this thing is created? Well, we're not a very patient society these days, but I think we could all use patience. Um, Steve Doyle gave an update. Things are moving. Uh, he's had a, a work group put together of people to try to kind of work out some of the differences. And there was one meeting a couple weeks ago, and another meeting is scheduled for uh, October. And he's hoping that that would be the the last step in that process, and then it would go back to the county board. So um, he's trying to work together with the people that have questions about it, have concerns about it, and see if we can address them, and I guess kind of mediating it, for lack of a better word. And so there is progress being made, and I think people are starting to come together and, and share their thoughts, and the hope is it would then go back to the county board. So I think progress being made, but sometimes it, it takes a while when you have this many people involved in something just getting together, getting everyone's schedules together, getting on the same page sometimes takes time, 
but uh, he felt that we were moving in the right direction, and I, I tend to agree. And and maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, people on both sides here are worried about each other's agenda, right? The the people that want a citizens police board feel like they they want a, another check on what police are doing in the area, and and they think maybe the police aren't always as honest as they say they are. And on the flip side, the police here don't want another. Uh, you know, oversight board on on what they're doing, and they feel like the people that want to create this citizens board or citizen police board maybe have an agenda to go after the police in in one regard or another. Is there is is that a pretty fair assessment? I think that's a really good assessment, Rick. I think that you did a good job of that. Um, there's a lack of trust, and I think uh, one of the things that Gary Tyler was talking about is you have to start somewhere to rebuild that trust and to gain that trust. And so um, there are you know, people that have um, opinions about what's going to happen or, or fear of what might happen, and I think that's the process we're going through now is trying to figure out a way that we can kind of take that leap of faith and, and learn to start building that bridge. And you're on this, uh, uh, now I forgot the name, Justice Management Council. You're, you're yeah. one of. Uh, there's quite a few people on this. I, I don't know the number off the top of my head. A big list. I have it. Uh, one of my 40 tabs open. Uh, there's probably what 20, 25 people on here. Yep. Yep. Um, 25. And and any you know police are on this this council too, as well as uh, there's a judge on here. There's uh, county board members. Is there is there just a regular Joe on this thing? Yeah. There's actually um, um, citizen members are part of the board. And um, I should put a plug in here. We do have an opening right now, so uh, any day now we should be seeing that publicly. But um, I think I can tell people that if they're interested in serving as a citizen member, we are currently looking for somebody to fill that role. And um, if they have any questions, they should probably contact either me or Monica Cruz to put their name in. But I think we'll be publicizing something very soon here. Okay, what do you, what's the qualifications? I live in Minnesota. Would I be disqualified? You have to either live or work in La Crosse County. Okay. So there are people that you might work as a uh, in the system in La Crosse and have a very big role here, but they technically live in another county, but we've included them. So anybody who lives or works in La Crosse County, um, that's really the only, that's the basic requirement. After that, we, we look for people who maybe bring something to the table that we don't already have or something that would be useful and somebody that's willing to, to do the work. Well, I have somebody texting in here uh, something about how our crime uh, punishment is based on crime. As an ex-con, I feel our punishment is too light. That's from John that texted in. Maybe, John, if you're in La Crosse County, maybe, I mean, because that would be a unique person to have on the, on this uh, management council, right, is somebody that's yep. gone through and, and maybe done some time. Yeah, we, we do have some people, and we have in the past, that have been in the system, and we always are. That's that's not a disqualifier. People who have been in the system are welcome to apply, and we do look for that perspective as well. All right, and then with the the city, we're gonna I'm gonna bury this this camera talk. I want to get to you again, but with the citizens police board, um, you know, aside from the two sides kind of maybe having to build a bridge of trust there, um, what's the biggest gripe that police might have with the citizens police board? Is it? And tell me if I'm wrong. Is it just that? nobody in law enforcement would be part of what is going to be a citizen's police board because someone in law enforcement wouldn't be a citizen because they would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'd say one of the main concerns is the concern over what the uh, what the guidelines are, You know, what the parameters are, what, what is their scope and what is their authority. 
And so that's one of the, I guess, um, concerns that, you know, how much power would they have and what would the power be over? Um, I think probably a second concern, maybe not as big, but, but maybe is yeah, who would be the people on that and what kind of knowledge would they have about policing and what kind of um, education or training would they get to understand what the police do? Um, you know, any board overseeing another group of people would have to have some basic understanding of the job and the requirements. And so maybe that's also a concern as to who the actual people might be and what would be their actual level of understanding. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, yep. And then they're going to get—they're all going to get paid millions of dollars, and it cost the county so much money. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it's going to cost the money that people have. Some people have said there's a lot of money involved. I don't think there's going to be the need for much money involved in this. All I right. could be wrong, but I don't think so. I think I got about three, four minutes here, and and this is something. Maybe next time we have on, uh, maybe we should start the show with this. But over the over the years of you're doing this job from 14 years at, as the uh, Lacrosse County District Attorney. Um, how how much different is it when you started to now in terms of just technology and having – what's the burden with technology in your job? Maybe it's not a burden. Maybe it's help, but it seems like yeah, a burden too. I, well, I'd say it's not – I wouldn't say burden. It's it's um, overall technology has helped. Uh, we have a lot more access to body cameras, squad videos, surveillance cameras, uh, record interviews, and I think overall it's been a good thing. And I, I'm a big advocate for police using body cams and squad videos. It, it helps everybody. Uh, but it, doesn't, it isn't without some cost. It, it's expensive to have body cameras. They get lost. They get misplaced. They get broken. Uh, you have to maintain them. You have to have some storage, which isn't free. All the technology that we have leads to what kind of a system are you going to have, uh, what kind of computer system, what kind of IT backup do you need. Um, so... And are you going to copy them, store them, reproduce them? Right, and then it, um, the, the, there's a lot to take care of. And the videos themselves, they have to be high quality, otherwise they're not useful to anyone. You see some of these uh, uh, downtown cam videos, or we were talking yeah. about Quick Trip before. Uh, man, you can barely get the license plate off that video of a car leaving that's, that, that where somebody had done something, drove off with free gas or whatever. Um, so you got to have like a high quality camera video uh, cameras to and then save the video in such a high quality so that you can use it, right? Yeah, that's that's it's just having a video isn't always the end of the question. Sometimes you have a video, but you just can't make things out. The person's too far away in the video, or the car, like you said, is just not the right angle. I mean, it's usually more helpful than not. But there are times when even though you have video. Still doesn't quite answer the question. Um, think about that Jacob Blake case in, in Kenosha. You know, we had that video from across the street, but he was behind the car at the start, and even afterwards, you couldn't quite see his hand uh, where he had a knife, apparently. So sometimes, even having the video doesn't answer the questions. Um, so it's not without some cost, but still, overall, I, I think most people would say they've, it's better to have it than not to have it. And having a body cam kind of like that there's is that almost a no-brainer that our police should just have body cams or not um i think so in most places in lacrosse county do or at least are moving towards it um it, like i said it helps answer the questions it helps look at things from the police officer's perspective um it helps protect police officers from any you know false accusations or accusations of force or violence um it helps document things that have happened, uh, helps record interviews and statements that are made. So I, I, I think it's, again, it's a costly, and not all departments have the money, but I know that a lot of local departments, if they don't have the money, they're looking for ways to get it, the grants or some other foundations. Um, so I, I think most 
places around here are moving towards body cams if they don't already have them. All right, and I just have 30 seconds here, Tim. When when we have all this video, does it? do you have to just hire somebody to review this, or do you have to review it yourself? I mean, this is where I talk about burden a little bit, is the, time, the amount of time that it takes for uh, people in your position that just look at this video. Right. That's been a factor. So, yeah, the good news is we've got the video. The bad news is, you know, I have to watch all these videos. And if there's like five cops on scene, you've got five body cams from different angles and maybe different statements. So that is a downside. Um, but, again, it's still better than not having it, I think, in the long run. Even though it's a little bit more time, it's, it's worth it. You just have some nerd in there that watches video all day then? <laughs> no. Uh, we have nerds, but uh, – that we we all have a little bit of that. Y'all take y'all take on some of the videos. Yeah. Um, all right. That's Lacrosse County Tim uh, Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grinky. Hey Tim, thanks a lot. All right. See ya. Bye. All right. I got to take one more break. We'll be back. All right. Just a couple man minute here to wrap up. Thanks a lot again to Tim Grinky for joining us for this hour. It's always productive. I even got a compliment from Johnny. Texted in. Johnny did text in too. Something. Uh, uh, just like Hatch Baby, if you don't like the punishment, don't do the, I think he said meant crime here. Uh, it doesn't matter how much money you make and you get a speeding ticket. If you don't feel you can pay the ticket, then don't break the law. But that's really not how we should be judging whether or not we could break the law. Hey, I, I got a million dollars. If I get a speed, I got to get someplace. I'm going to speed and uh, I can afford that speeding ticket. No big deal. I get a million dollars. Hatch Baby costs $23,000. Eh, I'm going to destroy it because it's no big deal. I can pay that that fine. It'll be fun to have Hatch Baby's face in my living room. Uh, I don't care if uh, I get fined for it or not. <laughs> we maybe we should just go to the the where where we we punish crime by if you break Hatch Baby, then we break your face. Should we do that? Should we go to some kind of third world crime and punishment? Um, all right, that's all the time I have for today. Lacrosse City Fire Department. What am I thinking of? Fire Chief Ken Gilliam coming in tomorrow.